All right, welcome everybody to our second episode of CPA to CFO, a series where we chat with CFOs from uh, big name companies and learn about how we really go from becoming a CPA uh, to becoming a CFO. Today we have Jennifer from Smartsheet joining us. Uh, really excited to have her. Jennifer is a very um, experienced and seasoned executive, and we'll hear from her about really how she's moved up in her career and, and gotten to be CFO of such an awesome company um, in Smartsheet. So welcome to the podcast today, Jennifer. Thank you, Michael. Glad to be here. Yeah. Um, I want to kick things off, just just get to know you personally a little bit, hit you with some icebreaker questions. So us accountants, we love binge watching TV after we're done booking journal entries. So what's your, uh, what are some of your favorite TV shows? What's the last one you binged? So I don't watch a lot of TV. Uh, oh. As a CFO, I've got a bunch going on, but I will say um, at the end of the night when I just want an hour kind of just to veg, you know, and not think about work, I either watch HGTV, you know, someone's buying a house, someone's renovating a house because I'm always thinking about decorating. Yep. Occasionally, my husband doesn't like this, but I like to watch Dateline NBC, something to do with like a murder mystery that's real. Mm -hmm. That sounds weird, but that's what I that's what I do. That's the uh, the thrill after work. And so you're watching a lot of HGTV. Are you a fan of Restored Barnwood at this point? I have not watched that one yet. Property <laughs> Brothers, I've watched. You know, buy the buy the condominium in the Caribbean for under three hundred thousand dollars. Love it or listed, all that stuff. Yeah. Those, yeah, I haven't I haven't seen that other one yet. No, it's it's the the barn the barn wood is like what they use on all the styles of all these houses. Oh, got it. Well, yeah, um, yeah, I haven't added that to my um, decorating style yet. Rustic, modern, and all that good stuff. So. Anyway, um, and then next one. So I know CFOs are stressed out and like to take some some cool vacations. What's your favorite vacation spot? Um, you know, I have a lake house in Tennessee. And so when I can get some downtime, I love to go there. It's a different way of life. It, people are super different, laid back, beautiful lakes, southern fried chicken, fried green tomatoes. It's kind of a different uh, lifestyle down there, and that's what I typically do. Yeah, a little different than Bellevue. Um, so for the listeners, yeah. uh, Jennifer's up in Bellevue, which is just outside of Seattle. So how did you end up with a lake house in Tennessee? That's interesting. So I went to college at Vanderbilt in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. My mother and uh, my relatives are from a small town called Sweetwater, Tennessee. And I was down there one summer and asked my aunt if there were any lakes nearby that we could go swim at. And there was like a lake 20 minutes away. We drove by a house that was for sale. It was much more affordable than what you would find, you know, in California or Washington these days for lakefront. Uh, I was a year old. I decided on the whim to make an offer and got the offer. And actually now I've had it on VRBO. It's a really great rental property. So I've been renting it out since 2004. And then I can kind of pick my weeks and go when I want. Nice. Very, uh, very CFO move. Um, well, then, uh, you mentioned Vanderbilt. That's a great jump off point. So let's, uh, let's talk through your career. I'd love to, you know, where, you know, where you started and how you got to, uh, your role at Smartsheet. Yeah. So when I graduated college, um, I actually didn't really know what I wanted to do. I had spent a summer on wall street, a summer internship, and I, um, decided I really wanted to go back up to wall street and kind of learn what Wall Street was all about, what the stock market was all about, the bond market. So I got my foot in the door in 1985 with Merrill Lynch. 
was there for two years. And then I did like what many kids did back then, which was after your two year stint in consulting or investment banking, I went on to business school at University of Chicago. And when I got done with University of Chicago, I um, kind of looked at, sat back and looked at my passion. I really enjoyed both kind of strategic thinking, uh, going into new markets, building businesses, but also I liked um, to kind of analyze these things from a financial perspective. So when Sara Lee Corporation came uh, to the university looking for a senior analyst in their corporate development department, I thought that that would be like a perfect kind of next step for me in my career. So I went to Sara Lee in, um, it was 1989, started my career there. I was there for 10 years. I moved around. I started in Corp Dev, then I went to FP&A. And then in 1992, I found my passion in uh, Treasury. I joined the Treasury Department and really decided at that moment that I wanted to be a treasurer um, at some point in the future. So I spent the next really 15, 20 years just doing whatever I needed to do to gain really broad experience. And that included moving into from domestic treasury into the international treasury. I then ended up going to Europe with uh, Sara Lee for three years and did international treasury, opened up a bunch of uh, new banking infrastructures across the globe, including Russia and Czechoslovakia. It was really fun. In 1999, I came back to the U.S. and I put on a piece of paper the things that I would need to have to become a potential treasurer. And the first one was I had not yet learned about 401k plans. So employee stock, um, you know, plans for retirement. Um, And then the second thing I said was, I thought that the treasurer of the 21st century would really need to understand this new technology, e.g. the internet. But I had no idea how it worked. I mean, I was sitting at a 250-year-old company in Chicago, Illinois. And so at that moment, I did some research because I wanted to go work at a tech company that was sort of paving the way for the Internet so that I could kind of gain that experience. How did you get how did you get to that conclusion that like, did you just know the Internet was going to be huge? Because for those listening right now who weren't alive back then, when the Internet came out, people thought it was a weird fad, not something that was going to be enabling us to have a podcast today, which we'll be able to share. So, like, how, how did you have that? that vision or was it just kind of a well I mean it was the power of the internet even in the early days there was so much more that you could do you could start um sending emails to people that was a huge transformative thing from faxing I mean it was a big productivity answer was that the aha just like on back then but was email just the aha for you like wow this is so that was the first thing but then when they start when start people started building like apps that you could go to I just immediately thought, wow, we could do so much with this technology. I could create an application for what I do in Treasury. And wow, wouldn't that be powerful? Yeah. Um, and so I did a lot of reading too and you know, checking out companies. And so Cisco, we all know about Cisco Systems. There were articles at Cisco that they were eating their own dog food. They were the backbone of the internet. And they were actually creating internal software programs to automate processes at Cisco. And when I read an article that was written by them, I kind of sat back and said, that is the kind of company I want to go work for. And so a banker called me one day and he said, hey, what's it like being back at Sara Lee? And I said, oh, it's great to be back in the U.S., but, you know, it's slow. And I really want to speed up the work that I do 
I'd love to go work at a company like Cisco. Well, it just so happened he was friends with the banker who covered Cisco. Cisco was looking for a, effectively a European treasurer, head of Europe. I had just came from Europe and they had an office in the Netherlands. That's where I was. So he told me about the job. I sent my resume. He handed the resume to the treasurer and they called me to have an interview. And so I went out to California and I had an interview. And I have to say that um, it was the one time in my career where I left the interview so excited. I got into my car and I prayed. And I was like, God, if you're up there, please, I hope they liked me because I love this company and I want to work there so badly. What? And what I got lucky. God listened to me that day. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's awesome. Well, congratulations on that. What, what was it about the company that, that made you so sure it was the right fit for you? The energy, the excitement, the passion, um, the teamwork. Like I have always been someone who thinks having great teamwork and collaboration is just so necessary if you're going to compete in this world. And Cisco had that. And they were able to execute quickly because I think everybody was working together with a common mission, a common goal. Um, we were working together. We weren't working against one another which sometimes I find in highly political organizations. Yeah. And so it was just the team itself and their opportunity. And when I got in there, I actually got to work on a number of software applications. We actually built some of the first treasury software applications in the cloud. Now, the unfortunate thing was at the time, the company was um, had kind of defined itself as a hardware company. So they weren't really interested in uh, moving into software, but it, man, it would have been a perfect opportunity. We would have been really the first to do that. Yeah. But nonetheless, I had the experience, I had the exposure, and that kind of um, excited me and has kind of brought me forward to where I am today at Smartsheet, where you know it's an application company that helps companies be and workers be more productive. Yeah, and if you want to, if you want to take a second to you know plug Smartsheet and, and chat a little bit more about what you do, definitely uh, feel free to take a take a minute here. Yeah, sure. So I'm not, I'm going to be a little indirect and in, in cutting your answer, but if you think about the first software applications that were built for the masses in the cloud, they were predominantly um, platforms that that were structured that that solved for structured work. So think about the first accounting system, I don't know if it was NetSuite, or the first um, CRM, one of the first, which was Salesforce back in the early 2000s. So it was, it was processes that were pretty standard and not changing that much. But the reality is work changes every day. I don't know about you, but with me, I get in the office, I've got new projects to work on, and my teams are changing. Um, there's just so much going on. Today has been crazy. Exactly. Yeah. So Smartsheet is the solution for workers in what we call the 60% of work that's unstructured. So we have over 5 million users today, 80,000 businesses, and over 2,000 use cases that are used for our company. And it can be anything. It could be, you know, workforce planning, something that we actually use Smartsheet for. It could be your sales pipeline. It could be your IT PMO. That's another application. It could be your marketing event management. And that is really where the power of Smartsheet is, that we manage and automate unstructured work. 
and enable organizations and people to really accomplish things and achieve things in a much faster and more effective way. Makes a ton of sense. And uh, I'm a metrics nerd. I love the SaaS world and I dig into these metrics. And I can tell you, I've, I've looked at Smartsheet. They're a public company and you are running an excellent business there. It's a, a well-oiled machine. So awesome job from a CFO perspective. Um, I want to go back to the, the Sarah Lee uh, time. And you said you started in, in corporate development there. I think that's that's kind of a broad term and a black box for a lot of us. So like what were you actually doing in that corporate development role? And, and do you think some of that, that work helped you in the CFO capacity? So in corporate development, we did a couple of things. One, we researched new markets that Sarah Lee might want to enter into. For example, one of the projects I worked on was, should Sarah Lee enter in the fresh baked goods market? We were in the frozen baked goods market, but not in the fresh baked. So that was an example. We acquired companies. We acquired Champion Athletic Wear to sort of build out our brands in the um, athletic wear category. We acquired Hanes. We acquired Valley Bras, Playtex Bras. And so the M&A team did the research on markets. They did the research on potential acquisitions. They negotiated the transactions and they closed the deals. Working with the legal department, we didn't use a lot of investment bankers to do those transactions. Oh, cool. In terms of uh, myself today, um, yeah, I mean, we've we've done a lot, a lot fewer acquisitions at Smartsheet to date. We've done three essentially, and they've been very small. They haven't been big, big companies that have that are you know fully blown out. Um, but I think M and A is an important uh, area for all companies as they scale because you think about the build versus buy. Oftentimes, buying allows you to more quickly get into a market. And then, you know, for us now, we've got a sales force of over 250 people. Um, we can actually help smaller companies grow their businesses faster as well by sort of plugging them into the Smartsheet um, team. So are you, is that moving in kind of a platform direction and empowering other businesses to kind of start their company on Smartsheet? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that is definitely one of the things that we do. Yeah. And I know, you know, at Smartsheet, it's kind of, it might be a unique situation because you're the CFO, a lot of workflow and a lot of the kind of unstructured workflow can occur within finance and accounting and, you know, which one maybe you're linking to HR or other departments. So um, are you using Smartsheet internally? What kind of benefits have you seen? And is there, you know, is there maybe one process where you're just like, that was such a pain and we were able to, to get it sorted out with Smartsheet? Uh, there was like many processes yeah. where we said that was such a pain. Um, in terms of finance, uh, one of the things we use Smartsheet for is uh, around managing our vendor contracts and the vendor acquisition process. So that means like we uh, we want to purchase um, some computer equipment or we want to um, subscribe to Flowcast, for example. The, the, the user will enter, go into Smartsheet and leverage our form capabilities. We, we have a standard form on our intranet, which by the way is all built on Smartsheet. So that's really cool. So you go in, you get the form for, I need to um, procure some goods and services. They go in and they enter a few questions. That then flows uh, all through Smartsheet and the FP&A team get an alert. And the FP&A team, financial planning analysis, they make sure that we have budget for it. Because if we don't have budget for it, there's a separate process. Assuming they have budget for it, they okay it. The, second thing, the third thing that happens is, given the world of compliance, security, and GDPR, 
we have to determine whether the vendor touches customer data and information. If the vendor touches customer data and information, there's a higher level of security risk that we have to go through to assess. So that particular um, request will then go through the compliance team uh, and security team, and they'll have to put some questions together. Okay. Um, and then it goes to procurement, and procurement works with our, our team to um, determine whether or not we need to do an RFP, we manage the RFP through Smartsheet, and so it just kind of handles this process, and as we get bigger, the biggest challenge is communicating the process and making sure everybody knows it, but it's really helped to streamline all of the work that's coming in. It allows us to better manage our um, expenses, it allows us to better manage our you know, we guide the street, right? And so I see all the expenses that are coming in. I know what's been in our budget, what's not in our budget. So there's flexibility around that. But it doesn't mean we just use Smartsheet in a vacuum. We also use Coupa. Coupa okay. is our uh, expense management platform. And so interactions with our suppliers um, and other things that Coupa does really well, we interface our Smartsheet with Coupa. And so it's kind of an end-to-end -end process, but it leverages the best technology along the way. Mm -hmm. And as um, you know, as CFO, you're you have a broader operations kind of purview as well, and a lot of that relates to systems these days. And you know, you said you're using Coupa. How um, how involved are you in like a broader IT strategy within the company, or do you is that a different? Well, I'm really really lucky. I have IT reporting to me. Okay, okay. So actually, can we take a step back? Who who reports to you? Which functions? So uh, all of the finance departments report to me. Yep. Procurement reports to me, uh, IT reports to me, and more recently, facilities has come under our VP of corporate IT. Okay. But I spend most of my time in the finance area, the procurement area, and IT is really, really important to the organization. And so I work a lot with our VP of corporate IT and the team itself in prioritizing projects, determining what we're going to do, when we're going to do it, um, and just constantly working on operational excellence because... You know, when you're growing over 50%, which is what we've historically done, you really do need to have good systems in place to scale. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's that illustrates something I'm, I'm noticing with with these a lot of these conversations is the CFO role is very broad. It's it's spanning into operations and IT and facilities now. So, um, you know, I, I have to imagine one day you'll have HR rolling up to you as well. You know, what's great about the way we work at Smartsheet is we work really collaboratively together. And so the head of HR sits right next to me. And anytime she needs my help, I'm there for her. Anytime I need her help, she's there for me. So potentially, but I think, um, you know, we all sort of, we have our key things that we focus on every day, but then we're all working together on common projects. So it's kind of like I do a little bit of HR too. Okay, cool. Well, it sounds like that, yeah, you're very collaborative, uh, CFO. So you've, uh, you're overseeing finance, you've worked with, you know, a lot of accountants over the course of your, your career in the treasury function and in the, uh, as a, C a CFO, as you kind of, you know, if we want to stereotype an accountant, maybe we can just kind of form an accountant. And as you've worked with all of them, what are some, what are some gaps that maybe you've noticed the average accountant has that they could work on filling to really make that leap to the CFO position? Well, I think it's, it's with every um, candidate, that starts within a particular uh, vertical of finance. So I started in treasury. As an accountant, if you start in accounting and then grow in the accounting function to become the controller someday, 
you're going to be really outstanding at closing the books, right? And you're going to understand SEC reporting if you're a public company. Uh, you're going to know how to um, incorporate new accounting rules that come in place. But what's missing is going to be, have you done FP&A? Have you thought about the future? And how do you model the business so that you can plan better for the future? You may not have investor relations experience. You may not have procurement experience. So I think it's really important uh, for someone in the accounting function who wants to eventually become a CFO to, at some point, step out of the accounting function and start taking on other responsibilities. They could technically be a CFO with just the controller role, but it'll be harder for them. It will be harder for them to kind of scale up, and it's just more comfortable and um you have a better uh, capability to be successful when you've had exposure to other areas. Yeah, and you you know how to do the finance side. Because um, your, your CEO or your board's going to come in and they're going to say, okay, you've closed the books. Great. What are you doing next quarter? What do you expect the numbers to be? What's the story yeah. going to look like? And if you're not, if you haven't done that before, it can be a little bit uncomfortable, right, as you're trying to answer these questions. Of course, you're never going to have Rarely do I see executives who have strengths in all areas. And so I would recommend having one to two others so that you've got a good arsenal when you come to that, taking that CFO role. And what's your, um, yeah, you just kind of mentioned the, the board and the CEO is going to, going to come to you. What's your role in the board meeting? How are, are you generally driving it? Do you take a section of it? What does that look like? So, um, Sometimes I drive it, sometimes I don't. So setting the agenda, uh, today our GC kind of has that starting role of putting the agenda together, but I'll take a look at it and say, well, should we talk about this? What about that? We've got to add this. Um, the audit committee is more of a finance controller. We drive that meeting, the agenda. Um, and yeah, I mean, I participate uh, as I have valuable input. I mean, it's a good time for the board to come and ask a lot of questions, right? We want the board to be making sure that uh, we're thinking through the right things. And so a lot of times at board meetings, it's your board members asking questions um, and, you know, having discussions on strategic areas of opportunity, uh, the financials. I mean, like you mentioned earlier, our financial results have been pretty good since we went public. Um, so I've been pretty lucky. I don't have a lot of like things I need to talk about, but um, yeah, just it, there's always something going on. Okay, um, awesome. Well, that's that's been super helpful. I I think I just want to end with like what's you know you already talked about FPNA. Is there one action item you think an accountant could take tomorrow to help stage themselves better to to get that role? I would say um, partnering really well with as many of their cross-finance business partners as possible would be one thing I would do. And of course, getting to know the business really well. That is uh, probably the second thing that's very important. And you can do that in the accounting role, right? You can really get to know how the business operates um, because that's going to help you as you move into the CFO role. But yeah. in my organization, um, I, my controller is fantastic. And um, I really try to get as much cross-pollinization as I can. So the way I do that is through the, the meetings that we have, uh, through the challenges or opportunities that we have that we're sitting together as a team. So he's hearing 
what the, the planning um, VP is thinking about, like if we're going to acquire a company, what does that mean for any guidance that needs to be updated or yeah. does that change our model? So I would say just participating as much as they can, if they're not actually doing the job, if they're listening and they're hearing how the job is getting done, I think that'll make for a lot more success as they um, get the opportunity to be considered for that CFO role. I, I know that was supposed to be my last question, but I'm really interested in that a little bit more. What, um, Physically, like, do you have accounting and finance sitting together or are they in different? Yes. And in fact, the way we have it is we have um, my controller and my VP of an FPNA sit in the same office together. Wow. Okay. Okay. They don't sit separate. Uh, so that's really, really helpful. And then, of course, we all kind of sit next to each other. My head of my uh, treasury manager and head of investor relations sit in the same office. So there is a really good um, sort of management of learning just through that. Good that's okay. So that's like if you're if you're a controller, that's a very reasonable request to make of your CFO. Like, hey, do you mind if I share an office with the VP of Finance or with the the manager of FPNA? I want us to work together better, and then you'll start to learn by osmosis, and maybe you know that is that. yeah. I mean, I would even think just like if that's not how the or the company works or maybe people don't want to have shared offices. We just don't have enough space right now. That's <laughs> Sorry, why we do it. Um, but it's, Hey, let's, let's grab coffee once a month, right? Let's get together and talk about how do you do the plan? How do you forecast? And I mean, reality is there's a great synergy and partnership between those two roles anyway. Um, but yeah, that's, I think how the account the, the controller can learn. I mean, the controller could also ask to be part of the investor relations calls. I know that that's happened before. So while you're not actually doing the work, you're listening. And you're that's a really story. great learning opportunity. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I think the takeaway is ask to be involved in more stuff to put you in a position to, to get into that role. Is that fair? Absolutely. And raise your hand on all, all the side projects. Not that you have time to do that, but that's always <laughs> a great learning opportunity as well. And that's a good way to uh, have executives love you when you, you pick up your hand and do an important project. Yeah. Correct. But maintain your balance because your family probably won't be super happy. So you got to consider all constituents. Yeah, that is an excellent uh, way to wrap the call. So I want to say thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining today. I hope you enjoyed the, the talk and I hope it was really valuable for our audience and you were able to, to learn something about becoming a CFO today. So well, thanks. thanks a lot, Michael. I appreciate it. Best right, wishes. Thanks. thanks. We'll catch you later. Yeah.